0: You can get it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. There's
1: a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam. All right, let's go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? This is Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network.
2: It's past the hour here on this Thursday. Call us up 639 4900. Andy Bitter, Alex Guerra, the White Vic here on the program today.
1: Hope you're
2: okay wherever you might be. Text line's open 744
0: 2990.
2: Big basketball night. Bradford men have Asheville, and the Tech women have uh, Duke tonight. So, i uh, like to have you at both places. Can you do that? Can you be at both places at one time? Why not? I mean, why not? I think, I think you could. I think you could. Baker team hotline, 639-4900. Tech, damaging loss last night. UVA squeaked out a win. Didn't play well at Louisville. I don't think UVA was very motivated. It just didn't look like it. I get it. It's hard to be motivated when the team you're playing has won three games. But at the same time, you got to. You got to. You got to play hard. You got to be ready. And they were not, and they lost. And now they're in a lot of trouble. Not UVA, but Tech. Wayne makes a good point. They've lost to BC twice. They've now lost to Georgia Tech, or they'd be 8-7. and seven. Nobody would be talking about them not being an at-large team. They're not, and they won't be in the regular season now. There's no coming back from that last night. It's just not going to work out for them. Now, their net going into yesterday had slipped anyway, had slipped to 58. Now, Bill said yesterday they were going to lose three spots just by playing Georgia Tech. So that gets them down to 61. And if they would have lost, I think, what did he say, five to seven spots? We don't know. They're going to be in the mid-60s in the net. Now, it'll help playing Pitt. Coming up. He's going into play yesterday. Let's see where Pitt was yesterday. They were 49, so... Eh. But it's damaging, and it's... A head-scratcher, to be honest. And I don't know exactly going forward how they can try to be more consistent and win on the road. They're 1-8. and The committee is going to look at, obviously, their ACC record can be no better than 500. I don't think they're going to win all five going out, so they're likely going to finish under 500 in the conference. And people are going to look at the road record and go, "Ooh." People are trying to will this into a situation where Tech can still make the tournament as an at-large, but no, that ended it last night. And to be honest, right now they're not an NCAA tournament team. I think Will Stewart said it best, Tech sideline. I was watching one of his tweets last night. He said something that the the part of – let me make sure I get it right. And I think he's exactly right. Will Stewart, of course, uh, part of uh, BDST throughout the football season. Yeah, here you go. Here's Will Stewart, giving him all the credit in the world. I would sum it up this way. The whole of this team is less than the sum of its parts. It's baffling. The coach has coached better before, and the players have all played better. It's odd and wildly inconsistent. Correct. That is very well said. All right, Rodney. Rodney said, Pulaski County boys – Basketball team's going to be at the Radford game tonight. And Rodney will be there. Come by and say, hey, Rodney. I'll be the one on press row in the middle, away from TV. Myself and Cole Wilder. We like to hear that. (laughs) Ed writes, my favorite Raquel Raquel Welch moment. Well, there were a lot of them. I love the roller derby movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Been a lot of memes, a lot of GIFs and memes and all those technical digital intranet things created with her in the uh, roller derby attire. Absolutely. Along with the uh, 1 million BC cover that I sent and posted. Right now, after that loss last night, Virginia Tech, has 11 teams ahead of them, 11 teams ahead of them in the ACC standings. They're not going to the NCAA tournament from the regular season. They have to win the tournament again. And I think the quality of some of these losses are even worse than things they experienced last year. I mean, Georgia Tech is three and 13. In the league. Only Notre Dame and Louisville worse. And Tech, you know, allowed 87 points to Notre Dame this past Saturday and was able to outscore them. And that's what Mike Young said. We're getting caught up trying to outscore people. And they did that at Notre Dame. Couldn't do it last night. Maybe the team gets that mindset so they're not working as hard defensively. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I just know Mike Young's searching for them as well. But they're running out of time. Maybe they've run out of time right now. Probably safe to say that they have. And I think Will Stewart summed it up right. I don't know. It is baffling. I don't, I can't, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't have any answers for you. I really don't. Let's go to the Baker team hotline. Hey, good morning. Who's this? Big Dog. This is Big Al in Galax. Hey, Big Al, you holding down the fort there in Galax? Uh, yes, I am. Good, good. I figured
0: I'm a little behind the curve this morning. I guess you scolded the tech team for wearing black
2: on the road last <laughs> oh, like yeah. You know, I, I just sit there. I'm at the point where I'm 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 guessing Al, People are tired of me uh, talking about it. But yeah, I'll I'll never get it. Let's break out the random black uniform for a road game at Georgia Tech. Plus, I don't like the logo on the chest. I don't think that looks good. And then you double down with the black uniform. So enough said. Yeah, the uniform gods got them last night.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just to the point. Uh, apparently, whatever ails the team, we are the Q, we are the tonic on the road.
2: Yeah, absolutely. One and I don't eight.
0: Know why. Yeah, I thought I'd bring up another subject we talked about last year when we were laughing about the winter. Now that we've had a uh, very wet winter and we're having some moderate weather, I'm looking for that first guy to be out there mowing the yard.
2: <laughs> You're right. Yard mowing guy, will, he'll be here sooner than than, you, than we want, right? What are you thinking? You think in the first week of March we might start hearing some lawnmowers?
0: Yeah, if, if it stays in the 60 range, you will be somebody out there with their mittens <laughs> and coat on, and they'll be hitting it the last week of February, 1st of March as the flowers. Push through and start coming up.
2: Absolutely. Weed eaters will be charged up, and you're like, what?
0: Wait a minute.
2: Yeah, exactly. The grass is still brown, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> now, there,
0: there's a question. I I read something the other day, and I wasn't sure that I read this correctly. As I continue to learn more about this NIL and the collective, the young man is transferring from VMI to Virginia Tech to play football. Apparently, we're currently over our scholarship limit, So the um, NIL collective, uh, Virginia Tech Triumph, I think they're paying his scholarship costs. Correct. I didn't know that the NIL could do that.
2: Yeah, what it is, um, he gets the money, and he can spend it right any way he wants, and here's how he's going to spend it. He's going to spend it. uh, His final year, he wanted to play at Virginia Tech in the FBS, so he decided to use some of that or all of it, I don't know how much he received, to cover what it would cost him to attend for one year and to play. So, yeah, he's coming there to stay on as a walk-on, but he doesn't have to pay a cent because of the collective. It's one of the rare feel-good stories we've had, Al, about you know about the NIL.
0: Okay, so here's my question. You get to a large school that has a lot of money, for instance, in Texas where money seems to fall out of their pocket.
2: Oh, absolutely.
0: What what stops them? All right, The, the young man has the opportunity to use that – money from the collective as he sees fit what stops a school like texas or any other ones with lots of money from going out and offering collective money to kids that they want to recruit when they're over the uh 85 scholarship limit and they wind up bringing in more kids than they need similar to what bear bryant used to do where if you can't play for me you can't play for somebody else
2: Oh, absolutely nothing. Yeah, right? you understand what I'm saying? It's yeah, around the scholarship sure.
0: by using collective money.
2: Sure. Yeah, it's a loophole. You're right, and I, I guarantee I you, it's going on right now. There's, there's no question, it's going on right now. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I, I think that. I think that's a dangerous again something that's not been thought through. Let me put it that way.
2: Well, none of this has been thought through, right? Thanks to the NCAA, there, Al. There's no question to me that it's happening. Alabama, Georgia, Texas, you mentioned all those places. There's no question that's exactly what they're doing because what's it matter to the kid whether he has a scholarship or not? If he's just going to go as a mercenary and say, oh, okay, I'm getting money, I can play anyway, then I'm fine. It's the same difference, right? It's the same result whether it's called a scholarship or if it's an NIL position.
0: Well, and you brought up a great point because I've used that exact same word. I don't care if you're the most talented athlete in the world, if you're a kid that's simply in it for the money and you are a mercenary, do you want that player on your team because of that attitude?
2: Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing it in Carolina basketball right now, actually. I really do.
0: Yeah, and I think we I think we saw it in Texas A&M last
2: year. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, they announced they had $400 million in NIL money and all that, and Jimbo acted like he was so upset, and then they go out and we win, win four games, something like that.
0: Now, based on the last report I saw, they led the nation with 29 transfers into portal.
2: <laughs> well, there you go. The NIL doesn't cure all, right? It
0: does not. All right, big dog. Have a great day.
2: Thanks, Big. I appreciate the call, man. Hold right, it, right, bye-bye. Hold it down uh, up there for all the folks in the maroon tide up in Gaylax. 639-4900. It's a great point, and the answer is there's nothing anyone can do. I mean, and to think that it's not going on—how naive do you have to be? For years, all these things were going on for decade after decade, and everybody was doing it, even with the so-called quote rules, end air quotes, in place. Oh, there's no doubt. Hey, we're full. All right, how are we going to get around that? Ah, here you go. We got a hundred grand. Let's go out and let's pay for some scholarships. Let's get these guys in there, give them some extra money. Let's go. Absolutely it's happening. And to someone to think it's not, sorry. <laughs> Let's wake up and smell the roses. It is a good story from a Tech perspective because it's it's a it's a rare opportunity this kid had who was a really good player in, in the FCS at VMI. His dream was to come to Blacksburg. And it does fit, and it is okay. And it's the only instance we've heard about from Tech. And it's probably the only one Brent Pry is going to have, unless they get into a scholarship crunch, which they are kind of in now, but I think he's pretty set. By the way, Brent Pride joins us tomorrow on the program, the Virginia Tech head football coach. And uh, we'll talk about the roster makeup, things like that. But in any event, it's a good point. Yes, it's happening, and it's happening a whole lot. Maybe I'll ask Andy Bitter about all that coming up. He also did a nice preview throughout the entire league, so we'll talk to him about all that. All right, Andy Bitter coming up, Alex the Dwight Vic, Brent Pry tomorrow, finish up the week, stick in ball sports, full throttle, Tech in Florida coming up this weekend, some high-caliber competition on the softball, diamond, baseball getting charged up both at Radford and Virginia Tech. We'll be back.
1: I was listening to the broadcast and I was wondering what exactly is it? You're in the Doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk. More BDSD next on WRAD.
0: Are you lucky? Right now, you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk Radio with my guy, your guy as well,
1: Rick Watson. Nobody does it better than Rick. Well,
2: I mean, Johnny Holiday certainly does it much better than Rick, but I appreciate that, Johnny. The great Johnny Holiday, by the way. My good, A good side guy. All right, looking at the Ken Palm, by the way, since the net does not update until later, Tech has fallen all the way to 68 In the Kempom rankings. Alabama Alabama fell to number two after they lost last night to Tennessee. The Tech is slipping in all the metrics as well, and why not? I mean, you lose to Georgia Tech like that, it's going to happen. The net will not update until a little bit later. Oh, here we go. Hang on, breaking news. They just updated it. Let's see where Tech fell. Ooh, Tech fell all the way to 67. So, Tech fell seven spots after the loss last night. Woo. Brutal. Brutal. Barry writes in, the NIL is just like professional sports now. We see it all the time. I heard you talk about it last week, Barry says. When you watch games and players seem off, because I'm not saying this is happening to Tech, but when they seem off and they're not trying, it may be because, well, why do they care? Because they're getting paid. We just don't know. Thanks, Barry. Yes. I, I believe that happens a lot. And it's going to be more of the scrutiny that's going to be placed under uneven performances that we see at the collegiate level going forward. Even in cutthroat college football weekends, right, when that regular season is still deemed to be much more important than basketball, because of you know the less frequency in terms that you have games, when you start to see a team look unmotivated, certain guys not necessarily caring, you wonder. You're going to wonder. You're going to say, "Wow, well, no, what does he care? He's getting half a million dollars. What does he care whether or not he comes out and plays well?" Plus, these are younger people than players who are graduating and going into the professional ranks, so maybe their maturity levels not where you would think it would be. I think at some point you see a lot of vets get so much money, the money just becomes part of it. And then you can clearly see that winning and trying to get championships becomes the ultimate for them. I mean, look around the NFL, right? Those guys, they're all rich. Major League Baseball, you see guys out there balling out. Tom Brady was all about winning, even though he has billions of dollars. Patrick Mahomes is going to be even richer as he goes forward, but he's all about winning. You look at the guys today. But, yeah, I agree with that, Barry. 100%. It's thrown a new equation into this whole thing that we're still trying to wrap our arms around. Just me and you, right? Just the fans. Those of us that love sports and have loved sports our whole life. It is. It's it's a very difficult thing to try to grasp in its totality, and I'm not sure we're even close to being able to figure out the overall effects that it's having. And this is all because of the lack of leadership from people that make a lot more money than you and I ever will, leading college athletics who let this thing go completely down the toilet and, and really just didn't care. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. They just didn't care because they were getting fat and happy. And meanwhile, the thing they were there to police just completely went down the tubes. Kind of like government. long as they're getting theirs, they don't care what happens to the country. They don't care what happens to the people. They might tell you they do, but they don't care. All right, so we've given away a couple pair of tickets for the Tech women's game against Duke tonight. I have a couple pair left. If you want those during the break, call me up. We also have a pair that just became available for the Radford men's game tonight against Asheville if you want to go see the battle for first place at the Dedman Center on national television. So hit me up now, 639 4900. We're going to do first come, first serve on the the, uh, Baker team hotline. 639 4900 if you want to go see Tech play Duke tonight over at the Castle, Women's Hoops, or Radford take on Asheville. Andy Bitter joins us next. We're halfway home here on the Thursday edition. 639 4900 if you want basketball tickets. Listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Twenty-five minutes past the hour. Hope you're well wherever you might be. Brent Pride joins us tomorrow on the program. Alex Square coming up here in just a little bit. The White Vic later on on today's show. We'll get back to your text messages. A lot of them coming in seven four four twenty nine ninety. Joining us now on the program, he covers Virginia Tech football for the Athletic. His name is Andy Bitter. A B. How are you, man? Good morning. I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm okay, man. Now, we've been having a good discussion today with a lot of our uh, listeners. I wanted to get your take on where you stand now as you've kind of, we're all still trying to wrap our arms around this whole NIL situation and how it looks from a a bigger picture perspective. Of course, Tech had a great feel-good story you know, with uh, Stone coming over from VMI and being able to pay his way. But... How are you now coming to grips? I guess just advice for our listeners who are still just shocked and can't really understand or really don't want to understand the NIL. How are you feeling about it now that we're into it a couple of years?
1: Uh, it, it's still a little strange just because all this is above board. But I, I think I, – I guess the way that I would say that you should uh, – cope with it. I guess. I don't know if that's the right word is just to understand that this has been going on forever. Mm -hmm. This is just over the table now. Right. In a lot of cases. And I'm not saying every school used to do this, but now it's, it's possible for them. Uh, you know, you you look at uh, some of the opportunities that some of these kids are getting and, and the money that they can get for it. And it's not an insignificant sum for some, and this money can you know, be put to good use. I mean, not all these uh, athletes come from you know, great backgrounds where their parents are paying for all their college stuff right. and everything's great at home. So looking at it is a good thing. And I know people always look at it as bad because they've been conditioned for so long that, oh, people get money to be good at sports. It's bad. Like, they, they shouldn't <laughs> be getting paid. It's like, no, if, if you're good at something, you should be getting paid right. for it. So. Uh, I think for so long, the NCAA has told everybody that any college athlete getting money is terrible. It's bad. It's the the bane of the sport. And it's just an argument that doesn't hold up. And you can see it by the way that they're getting their butt kicked in court every time they have to defend this indefensible position. So uh, I, I think as soon as it's been here for a few more years, everybody will get used to it and it'll just be the way that things are.
2: Yeah, and I think your point's so well taken, Andy. I mean, it's like the Wizard of Oz, right? We're looking behind the curtain to see what the Wizard really is. And, I mean, this isn't new. It's just that now it's been revealed and it's allowed and everybody's just kind of in shock to see some of the numbers reported. I guarantee you a lot of these places that were doing it the other way before it became an over-the-table thing, I bet you some of those numbers were much larger than what we're hearing about now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I, I don't even believe the numbers that are out there quite honestly. And they're probably inflated because there's no way to verify it, first of all, unless you actually see the contracts. And as it turns out, some of these biggest contracts, they couldn't even fulfill that stuff. You look at that Jalen Rashada deal uh, with Florida. They Mm -hmm. didn't even have the money to pay that kid that much. So, you know, I think for the vast majority of these guys, it's not as much money as you hear. Uh, Maybe for a select few it is, but uh, you know, there's there's no way to verify it, and all these schools want people to think they're paying them more than they are because the perception of how much you pay them is almost as valuable as how much you actually do pay them because it gets other recruits interested in coming to the school. So uh, don't believe all the numbers you hear out there. Uh, understand that NIL mostly is a good thing for, for all these athletes to get a little bit of share of the pie, and, and I think people will come around on it a lot easier.
2: Andy Bitter joining us on the program from The Athletic. And one of the many things you miss if you're not subscribing to The Athletic and reading Andy daily is that he gets to go to things like the hunger drills. Tell us about your 6 a.m. visit over to Virginia Tech's off-season workouts and your impressions coming away from those.
1: Yeah, I've done one of these with uh, the last three coaching staff now where they'd let me go over and watch one of the workouts. I, I always come away with from it uh, going, if fans could see – One of these things, (laughs) they would have such a greater appreciation for the amount of effort that these players are putting in Mm -hmm. in the middle of February. And, you know, it's it's 6 a.m. is when it starts. You have to be dressed and ready at 6 a.m. And like out there a little bit earlier than that to get a little bit of stretching in before they do the full on stretching. Uh, I mean, it is a commitment to get up that early, and then th- think about after that they they go to lifting and they go to class all day. I mean, it, it, it's a long day for these guys, and to wake up and go through what they have to go through for an hour there, and it was tiring just watching them. Uh, I I certainly couldn't get through one of those workouts. I think I'd be lying down on the floor, grasping for breath <laughs> at a certain point. But I mean, they put them through the ringer uh in in those workouts and it's moving from station to station and the coaches and strength coaches are all in their face and they're yelling and they're trying to motivate them and uh you know it it's over the top but i think that's the point is to make it as difficult as possible so that the rest of the stuff that they do is easy and this includes
2: the entire team correct is this everybody that's coming back for coming into the spring that's getting up
1: and doing these this is, I think it's 109. Wow. And I think of the 100, 109 players, 44 of them are new to the program. So it, it's letting a lot of new guys know how the program works. And, you know, you talk about culture and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is where it starts, mm-hmm. I think, is with this off-season work because this is their introduction to Virginia Tech football. And they'll get to the, the, the on-field stuff for another month, uh, month-plus here. So... Uh, yeah, this is yeah. The, the strength coach gets to work with them the most. And I think this is their introduction to the strength coach and, and how he operates, and you know how he's a an arm of Brett Pry's whole operation.
2: And I guess it kind of gives a little bit of a window inside. Coach Pry finds out pretty quickly who's going to be able uh, to be in this program, right, and maybe contribute, and those who may not be up for it. That's a pretty good litmus test, like you said, though, especially for those forty-four new guys that are doing this.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what they want to watch. I mean, they record every single rep, and they pair guys up intentionally for all the drills. And at the end, they call people out that to go one-on-one in front of the team. And and all this is intentional. It's done to, to see how they compete against each other. They'll put uh, you know, uh, featured guys. They'll be like, oh, okay. Josh Fuga, we want you to go up against Caden Moore. You know, it's a defensive lineman, an offensive lineman. It's it's just like a a rep where they're going against each other. Who's going to win the rep? And I think that's been part of, you know, Brent Pryde's bigger picture goals here is that competition and winning and make trying to do everything you can to win each thing. And I, I think he thought that was a little lackluster when he came in, just the will to win, the desire to win at all costs. And Uh, You know, this is where it starts. This is how you ingrain that
2: that mentality. Andy Bitter joining us on the program. He covers Virginia Tech football for the athletic tech, getting through their February drills, getting ready for the beginning of spring football. And you also did a great piece. What did you learn? I know a lot of listeners are wondering about the league. Is Florida State really going to be that top dog? You went through team by team. I thought this was really cool about uh, some of the questions facing some of these squads. What were some of the things that you learned? I know everybody thinks, oh, Tech's got so many questions going forward, but they're not the only ones, are they?
1: No, and I only did a couple of those ACC ones as a team effort on that whole thing. So I had Virginia Pitt and Virginia Tech. And interestingly, the question for all three was offensively, and what are these teams going to do at quarterback? And I think that can apply to a lot of schools in the league. Uh, you know, certainly Wake Forest, you look at NC State, how is it, has Brennan Armstrong come in? Virginia, how, what are they doing with Brennan Armstrong leaving? Pitt, Phil Dracovic coming in, BC, Phil Dracovic leaving. I mean, there's there so much movement, uh, some of it within the league at quarterback, that when it's the, the primary position in the sport and the most important position on the field, that obviously that's going to be the question mark for these schools. A uh, little bit broader of a question with Virginia Tech than the entire offense just because they were bad across the board. It's not like a quarterback magically solved their, their issues there. But, uh, you know, there were so many answers last year with the league or, or so many uh, so many guys in spots at quarterback already that were established that uh, with some of the turnover that they've had this year, I think that's going to be a, a really key question at a lot of schools. I mean, Clemson. You know, moving from D.J. Uyungal to Kate Klobnik there, mm-hmm. and that's a big question mark, the biggest question mark for the best team in the conference, arguably. I think Florida State fans will, will argue otherwise. Uh, so whereas last year, I, I think you had a lot of established quarterbacks and the, the league was pretty good quarterback-wise. This year, I think it's a lot more unsettled at that position, which could make it a, a much more volatile league. <laughs>
2: Well, your appearance is bringing out Duke football fan. Ronald (laughs) chimes in, I'm a Duke football lifer. Can we – he says we. That's fine. I don't mind if you're a we-they guy. Can we sustain this in year two under Mike Elko? How do you see Duke building on their nine-win performance last year? Does it all come down to Riley Leonard developing
1: further? Well, first of all, kudos to being a Duke football I know. How about that,
2: Ronald?
1: I mean, that is commitment (laughs) – a long time, like, good for you for finally getting the payoff on that whole thing. Last year must have been really, really fun. I know they had some really good years at the Cutcliffe, but uh, to, to be with that program through thick and thin, that's a tough thing there. I, I think they're, they're not going to fade away. They're not going to go back to being 3-9 and nine or something like that. I think it might be tough to duplicate that success because I think it was sort of a perfect storm season for Duke where everything came together and that defense really took huge leaps. From I mean, they were worse in the country two years ago. <clears throat> and then you had the quarterback piece to it, and all of a sudden they're a legit team of both sides. The quarterback's still there, so I, I don't think uh, they're going to go away from that in that regard. But uh, maybe a little bit uh, coming back to, to, to earth. A little bit with that program, but I mean, they're a competitive program. They're going to be right in the mix uh, in that middle of the pack ACC. Uh, You know, I wouldn't put them up with Clemson and Florida State schools like that at the top, but after you get past those schools, it's anybody's guess who the next best team is. And it it seems like Duke really found a find in Mike Elko. And if he can keep doing that, I see no reason why the Blue Devils would have to recede that much.
2: Wolfpack John writes in, do you believe that the uh, Wolfpack's offense is going to be able to revitalize Brennan Armstrong in this swan song year? Appreciate that, John. What do you think? Do you think Brendan Armstrong's going to fit in nicely down there in Raleigh?
1: Well, I don't know about the Wolfpack's offense necessarily, but Robert and I going down there, I think it's huge. I mean, that's who Brendan Armstrong had his success at with Virginia. He's a, a comfortable uh, coach that he's been with. And if there's a, if there's somebody that's going to get the most out of him, it's going to be him. Uh, you know, I hesitate to put any kind of stock in the Wolfpack because whenever I do, I get burned mm, by it. Absolutely. Like last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, anytime there's expectations, uh, they seem to fall short of that. And times there's no expectations, they seem to exceed that. So maybe going into this year, it's not the worst thing if people aren't buying into the Wolfpack too much. And I think there's going to be, a healthy dose, dose of skepticism there. But, uh, you know, Armstrong was phenomenal two years ago. And I was his coordinator when that happened. And I don't see why that can't happen again uh, if they find the right balance again on that NC State team.
2: Well, one more I want to ask you about is Miami, because nobody was more wrong about Miami than I was last year. Um, they've lost both coordinators. They just lost Charlie Strong. He had some parting shots have you heard anything through all the channels of what's going on down there with Mario Cristobal's team? I mean, I mean, and the coaching staff. I mean, this sounds like a, a weird situation that's developed because they had some all-star coaches down there, and three of them, three of the biggest names, have fled the program.
1: I mean, I haven't heard anything other than it's Miami and it's always drama-filled. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did, did we expect anything else? With Miami, I didn't think they were going to just hit the ground running with Ball, and everything was going to be hunky-dory down there. I mean, there's always an issue. There's always something going on. The players are leaving. Every year you talk about, look at this roster. How can this roster not win the Coastal? And I know the divisions are going away, but that was always the argument for the longest time. They just have the most talented roster. It's like, okay, they never get the most out of that talent. And then... 15 four-star guys leave anyways. since <laughs> the is constantly turning over. And frankly, I have my questions about Cristobal. Uh, you know, I don't feel like he got the most out of Oregon when he was up there. I don't think he's a great in-game coach. Uh, he hasn't seemed to, to rise to the occasion in a lot of those big games before. And all of a sudden you see this this year one where they have all these coaches leave and all this turnover. You wonder what he's like as a, a manager of coaches mm. and, and how that works. So I, here's where I am with Miami. I'm in wait and see mode. They have to show it to me before I'm going to buy the hype again. And I've fallen into that trap before. And a couple years ago, I just, I swore it off. I said, I'm not doing it anymore. And I even did that tweet to myself that people <laughs> sent back to me every July about not to pick Miami in the ACC. And it, you know, it's true. Like, show me it on the field. Show me that this thing is working, and, and don't tell me that, oh, the U is back and all the hype and the swag and the the chains and all this stuff. Like, I want to see it on the field, and I want to see it for a full season. I want to see him go and out, and then just completely fall apart at the end of the year, and then, you know, Mark Rick's gone the next season because that's what it seems like this program has been like for the last 20 years.
2: Finally, A.B., let me ask you uh, your thoughts on the Super Bowl. Where do you stand on it? First defensive holding call. I know it was holding. That's not the question. Should it have been called there in that instance when a lot of more egregious things were let go? But overall, what would you think of the game, Patrick Mahomes getting his second ring?
1: I mean, I thought it was a phenomenal game. And I think the disappointment is when you have a phenomenal game like that, you want to see a phenomenal finish. And you didn't get that. It was sort of anticlimactic, but... You know, I, I think I heard Jay Billis say this about uh, basketball once. It's like, the referees didn't ruin the game by calling holding. The players ruled the game, ruined the game by fouling. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the end of the game wasn't decided by the officials making the call. It was decided by that guy deciding to hold on that play. And people were like, oh, he couldn't have caught it anyway. It's like, well, maybe if he wasn't held, who knows? Maybe it's a lot closer than that. So, you know, the guy afterwards is like, yeah, I held him. They called it. The jersey tug, you can see him pull on the jersey. They're going to call that all the time because you can visually see that he's, you know, impeding the receiver like that. So I wanted a better finish than a guy going down at the one-yard line and then kicking a field goal, time runs out, because that game was so great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if it's holding in the first quarter, it's probably holding in that situation too, And and people just need to get over it.
2: How's the, uh, the Ronald Curry, Mike Vick uh, piece coming, by the way? I have people asking me all the It's
1: time. in the editing process. I have it written. <laughs> uh, it's a battle. I'm fighting for stuff to stay in, and, and they're fighting. Uh, this is, you know, they're trying to run it out on, on A1, when that's the case. There's more editors in the process, and, uh, you know, as a writer, you're always like, this is my baby, and I'm fighting for every line in there. So, uh and also, he's up for, like, the, the Broncos yeah. offensive coordinator job. So there's sort of like a news peg element that if he gets that, it would be great to run it right when that happens. So it's coming. Trust me, everybody. It, it is written. And uh, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed reporting the piece. So I think you'll like it, too. It'll run sometime
2: soon. Okay.
1: I hope you're right. I hope
2: it happens, like, right around. That. I think he is going to join that staff out in Denver. I hope it is as the OC. That would, be, uh, that would add even more uh, intrigue to the whole thing. So, that'd be cool.
1: Yeah, be cool. yeah. It'll be a fun story when it comes out.
2: Well, listen, all right, brother. Great stuff, as always. Look forward to catching up with you again here soon, and uh, have a great weekend.
1: All right. Thanks for having me. There you me.
2: go. That's Andy Bitter from The Athletic. You can subscribe to The Athletic. It's not expensive at all, and you can catch all of Andy's stuff throughout football season and beyond. Wow. Two hours flew by today. We're coming back to wrap up. Hour two. Still a pair of tickets left for the Tech Women's Game. If you want those, call me up 639 4900. We'll remind you what's ahead in the power hour. Don't go away.
1: You're not off the leash yet. We're happy to have you with us and hope you'll come back often. Big Dog Sports Talk will be right back. Stay tuned. We'll be right back on WRAD.
0: Somewhere
2: beyond the sea Somewhere waiting for me All right, we are coming to the close of hour number two here on this Thursday. Great stuff from Andy Bitter. And the Dwight Vick will join us at 835. Coming up to lead off the power hour. We'll be talking Radford baseball with the first year head coach, Alex Square. He will be in studio. Good stuff from Andy. Brent Pry joins us tomorrow, the head football coach over at Virginia Tech, along with Jen and uh, Mike Ashley. Good stuff today, so far. Interesting there from Andy. Going through and this drill that they're doing every morning over there, I think it's—I think it's to find out who's going to remain and who's not, right? Part of it, anyway. All right, two hours in the books. It's going to be overcast, but around sixty-five today. I'll take it all the time in mid-February. Alex Square in studio. We'll talk some Radford baseball when we come back. Leading off the power, don't go away.